Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo, the director of AGLCA. Today uh, we have a special episode. We're going to have two guests, which we don't do all that frequently. But if you've been paying attention to our members' discussion forum, there was a really interesting thread there in the past week or so about engine room fire suppression. Um, It's not something I think we talk about enough, so I I thought it would be a great idea to try and cover that today because that thread did get a lot of traction and a lot of questions and posts. So um, my first guest today is Blair Bueller, who is one of our members who shared a lot of really useful information. So we'll bring in Blair in just a moment. Uh, Before we do, as usual, I do want to take a moment to recognize and to thank our Admiral-level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our loopers and all of the listeners out there to support these businesses who support the Great Loop. With the business out of the way, I would like to introduce Blair. Blair, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kim. Good to be here. Well, let's see if we can start um, just kind of by introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and your boating experience for our listeners. Well, my background is actually engineering. I worked in engineering and construction management for many years, uh, but always was a boater. I was in the Coast Guard Auxiliary for 10 years, um, had built boats, had rebuilt boats, and I had planned an early retirement. Um, I had achieved my uh, Coast Guard Merchant Marine license and was going to uh, transition into a different career uh, at about 55, and I did it about 10 years early <laughs> and uh, <laughs> chucked, chucked the corner office and turned what had been a hobby into a full-time career, and uh, I'm now a SAMS AMS Marine Surveyor, um, and uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. Well, good, and and that's part of the reason I guess you had so much factual and practical information to add to the thread in the forum about fire suppression. So um, let's start, if you can explain, because this was one of the points that um, you were trying to get across to people, is some boats are required to have fire suppression and some aren't. So tell us about the requirements. Well, essentially, if the boat has an enclosed engine compartment, you should have an automatic fire extinguishing system. Now, you also have the option to protect that environment using portable fire extinguishers if you have a means by which you can discharge those extinguishers into the engine space without having to open the hatch or the engine compartment. Uh, The key here is they don't want you to be opening up the compartment, introducing oxygen, which in most cases would cause the fire to increase in size uh, in order to try and put out the fire. Uh, So you do have two options. You don't have to go with an automatic system. Uh, Many people do. Um, But if you do do decide, you can just use portable extinguishers with uh, what they call a discharge port or some other means of being able to discharge into the uh, compartment. Okay. And are the regulations different for boats that are powered by gasoline versus diesel? I know the dangers can be different, um, but are the regulations any different? Well, the the danger is certainly different. Um, The regulations differ very slightly. Uh, 
obviously the gasoline is is more flammable and and much of this really centers around insurance <laughs> um you know as with everything uh, ultimately you've got someone who's a businessman looking at what's the risk involved and in this case it's the insurance companies and the insurance companies in many cases are the driving force behind whether a lot of people put in a system or not uh in gas powered boats in many cases you're going to get a moderate insurance reduction if you put in an automated uh extinguishing system uh with diesel you should also get a a uh, a reduction in premium but it may not be as significant um so you know that that's the driving factor behind the 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 need to put in a system really is do you want to protect the boat in an additional fashion and for many people are you going to get a credit from your insurance company and uh, i tell people before they ever consider an automated extinguishing system one of the first things is talk to your insurance company and find out are you going to get anything back from them if you put in this system uh if so it may help to offset the costs because it's not insignificant okay so if i'm out shopping for a boat um talk a little bit about the automatic fire suppression systems if if i'm finding one that has it um are there different options how do they work almost all of them discharge on heat it's almost identical to a fire sprinkler head in a building restaurant uh in fact they almost use the same type of uh, discharge mechanism it's a small fusible link is what it's called and when the compartment temperature reaches a set point in most cases it's somewhere around 165 to 190 degrees fahrenheit that fusible link will rupture allowing a valve to open and the pressurized contents of the cylinder will come out um now for most boats this is going to be what's called a clean agent system uh it could be either CO2 carbon dioxide or one of the newer um systems which are in most cases uh, most people think of it as halon uh halon is the generic term that everyone uses for the uh, the new clean agent systems although it does not have to be that particular chemical um when you go shopping for these or if you're looking for a, if you're looking at a boat that possibly either has or needs one of these systems one of the most important things is the size of the system it has to be sized for the compartment volume less tankage you're not allowed to reduce for engines that are in the area or anything like that uh but you are allowed to reduce the volume for any permanently installed tankage so as an example if you have an engine compartment or a fuel system compartment that's 10 feet by 10 feet and at the deepest point it's 3 feet basically you've got a 300 cubic foot compartment and you would then be looking for the extinguisher to either have a rating that's adequate for that or you would want to buy an extinguisher that's adequate for that whatever tankage is in the area you can reduce from that volume so that you could purchase or make sure that you have installed a slightly smaller extinguisher um now a lot of people try and get 
very picky and realize that, you know, all right, the boat tapers up somewhat as we go out towards the chines. So that reduces the volume. I always tell people don't do that because any compartment in a boat, in a boat, in most probability, it joins to another compartment and the bilges in particular, I've been on boats where the bilge goes pretty much un, un, unprotected throughout the entire boat. So you have to take into account that there's going to be other areas where any fire extinguishing agent is going to leak. Um, the engine vents are a huge thing. On most boats, the engine vents are not closed. Uh, they, they don't have dampers that automatically shut them off if a fire occurs or if a fire extinguishing agent discharges. On commercial boats, we get into that. We have automatic dampering systems and things like that that will close off the vents. Recreational boats, almost never do you see that. So there's going to be a fair amount of loss, both out through vents to adjoining compartments. So I tell people, don't go trying to you know calculate the the slope of the bottom of the boat and reduce the volume. Just buy it for maximum length, maximum width, maximum depth. Take out for any uh, large tanks and make sure that the extinguisher is sized to cover that. Right. Probably not someplace we want to be taking shortcuts. No, um, no. You, you certainly don't want it to be undersized. You don't want it to be horribly oversized either. Some of the agents uh, can cause some asphyxiation concerns uh, if you have a very high concentration. Uh, but in most cases, that's not an issue except for carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is kind of a whole other animal. We don't see it that often except in older boats or commercial boats. But if someone is involved in a boat that has or they're thinking of putting in a carbon dioxide system, really you've got to get somebody involved that knows what they're doing because uh, – there's a very large asphyxiation risk with carbon dioxide. Okay, that's another thing that's very good to know. Um, so if I am shopping for a boat and I find um, my perfect boat for the Great Loop, but it does not have an automatic fire suppression system and it's something I want, um, I assume that's something that I can have added to the boat. As you said, we probably would want to call a professional for that. Well, um, again, it depends on the situation. This. If it's a relatively simple installation, if you're fairly handy, they do sell these off the shelf. It's, it's a prepackaged system. All you really have to do is mount the extinguisher in the engine or fuel compartment. Um, there are general guidelines for how far you want to put it away from certain things. But for the most part, as long as you have fairly open space around it, that's a pretty good location. Uh, and then really all you have to do is run a few wires. There is a helm monitor that should be installed. Um, a lot of people don't get this, but it, it's actually a very important part. It's really nothing more than an, an idiot light for all practical purposes that is mounted at the helm. When you turn the ignition switch on, it completes a circuit through a pressure switch on the automatic fire extinguishing cylinder and it tells you that that extinguisher has not lost pressure. doesn't necessarily tell you that the extinguisher is fully functional, but it does tell you that it hasn't lost all of its pressure, and that's important. The other thing that a lot of times you'll get at the helm, and it's especially important with diesels, is an override capability. Um, this is 
kind of a double-edged sword because in diesels, the diesel engine will actually continue to run after many of the fire extinguishing systems have discharged. Gasoline engines, for the most part, if you discharge an automatic extinguishing system, it shuts the engine down. Diesel's not necessarily so. They can kind of ingest it and burn it right through and keep right going, keep right on going. The problem there is now the engine is sucking the fire extinguishing agent out of the compartment and blowing it out the exhaust pipes in the case of a diesel. So you do want to put in a, a helm monitor that incorporates an engine shutdown if possible. Um, with older diesels, they oftentimes don't have the, uh, the capability to do this. On the newer diesels with electronic fuel control systems, it's not that complicated to tie it in, and it shuts off the fuel supply, kills the diesel. Um, but that helm monitor would also then have an override so that if the system discharges, you verify that the fire's out, but, you know, God forbid, perhaps you're coming near an inlet or you're approaching a shore where you might be blown onto shore, you can hit the override switch, restart the diesels after you've checked that everything's okay, and then power away uh, so that you're not dead in the water, essentially. Okay. So that's something we should definitely look for in a system is that shutdown and override. Um, any other tips for someone who's uh, looking for or has a fire suppression system in their engine room? Well, one of the other key things is a manual discharge. Um, it is it is specified in the standards that you should have a means to both automatically discharge and manually discharge the system. Again, it's something that a lot of times we see is not installed. Um, even brand new boats that I see from reputable manufacturers, a lot of times they'll put in an automated system, but they may not put in the manual release. It's really nothing more than a pull handle that if you yank it, it manually breaks that little fusible disc and causes the system to immediately discharge. It's a good idea. There are certain cases where an automatic system may not detect the fire as quickly as you may detect it. Um, and in that case, you can pull that handle, dump the system, and uh, be sure that, all right, you've completely flooded the compartment. Um, okay, and then the, finally, um, what kind of maintenance or ongoing inspections or recharging needs to be done to these systems to keep them in working order? Well, this is an area that I, I often chuckle as I do surveys because the standards actually say that all fire extinguishers, whether they're portable, fixed, automatic, are supposed to be inspected monthly <laughs> and wow, actually okay. recertified annually. I got to tell you, nobody does this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even on my own boat, I'll be the first to admit I, I look at mine, but I probably don't follow the letter of the law here in the standards. When they say inspect monthly, they mean really just give it a look that it's still there. <laughs> that the wires haven't fallen off if it has a helm monitor system, um, that the cylinder is not drastically corroded, the discharge port doesn't perhaps have, you know, a wasp nest built in it, 
Um, you know, I've seen birds get into engine rooms where they build a bird's nest on top of the thing. So monthly, that's what they want you to do is just look at it, make sure it looks like it's still in good shape. Annually, it's a little more involved. They actually do want the system to be inspected by someone that is somewhat trained in fire extinguishing systems. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it yourself. For the most part, what it means is the system should be weighed. Um, weighing them is the really true verification that it still has all of both the pressure in it as well as the extinguishing agent. It's not complicated. Uh, for most people, you can actually do it if you have a very good postal scale. Um, I do my own with a postage scale, and I certify my own extinguishers. Um, however, if you're not comfortable doing that because it does involve with an automated system taking it out of the bracket, if it has a helm monitor, you have to disconnect the wires. And if you're not comfortable doing all of that, if you know somebody who's in the fire extinguishing business, they can usually do it for a very minimal cost. Um, you know, if, if you can even take it out and bring it to them, the cost is even less. And they'll put a label on it that makes it good for another year. Okay, perfect. Um, Blair, our members can find you because there's a directory on the AJLCA website, um, but is there any contact information that you want to share, um, email address, or any way for them to contact your business if they have some additional questions? Well, if anyone has questions, they can actually go to my website, uh, which is B-U-G-H-E-R-Marine.com. Uh, it's like bughermarine.com, and that has a direct uh, link for contact me if they have any questions. And I'd be happy to talk to any of the people involved. It's an, uh, Fire extinguishing systems and the standards in general are an area that is often misunderstood, um, and it is written in a very technical format, and, and in many cases, I'll be the first to admit it, it's, it's tough to understand exactly what is the, the correct way to do things, um, especially with regards to the automated fire extinguishing systems. We actually have two sets of standards, uh, ABYC and NFPA, and they don't always agree. Um, so you do have to do a little bit of interpretation in trying to figure out what you really need to do for any given boat. Okay, perfect. Blair, give us that website one more time, please. Sure. That's B as in boy, U, G as in girl, H, E, R, marine, M-A-R-I-N-E dot com. Great. Um, Blair, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your time with us. We greatly appreciate it. Kim, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure being on with you. Well, we'll have to have you back another time um, when we have one of these technical topics again. Um, we to are going to play out. a quick message from one of our sponsors, um, and then we'll come back with our second guest. Be back in a moment. Okay. When staying at the new Fort Myers Beach Marina, enjoy full resort access to the Pink Shell Beach Resort, complete with concierge services, three pools, and two restaurants, Pink Shell Beach Resort and Marina is located along one quarter mile of Sugar White Sand Beach. As a marina guest, you will have access to their fitness center, shower facilities at the full service Aquagine Spa, Audrey's Market, free beach chairs, a daily newspaper, 
three pools and pool towels. Laundry facilities, a game room, and beach activities are available, and the marina portion of Pink Shell is pet-friendly. For more information, visit www.pinkshell.com or call 855-203-5105. Pink Shell is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio with our second guest for this episode. I want to introduce Kurt Korda, who is one of our members. Kurt, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Kurt, when the thread in the forum was going on about the fire suppression systems, you reached out to me because you had some personal experience with them. So that's what I want to talk about today. But let's start off filling the listeners in a little bit about your boating experience because you currently are have the loop in progress, but your experience goes kind of beyond that to some pretty interesting things. So why don't you fill us in on that? Okay. And I'll try to keep it within range of time frame because um, sure. I can talk. Um, so my wife is the instigator of us doing the great loop. And so back in somewhere 2009 or 10, she suggested it. And of course me being a typical husband asked, what is it? And honey, that's a great idea, but we need a boat to do it. Mind you that I've not been a boat owner of only one boat for probably 50 years. I've always got my fingers in it. Mm -hmm. So we bought a boat in Long Beach, California, a 42-foot Californian long-range cruiser, and made our way south to the Panama Canal, through the canal, and up to Stewart, Florida, where we actually started the loop. A little bit more background, I've been a boater on the west coast of the United States between Ventura and mostly La Paz, Baja, and up in the Gulf a little bit for the last almost 60 years. And mostly every day on the water for me is, every day on the water is a happy day. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think you're probably one of, what I'm guessing is just a handful of loopers who have taken their boat through the Panama Canal. So that's what's uh, really intriguing to me. Probably a a topic for another day on Great Loop Radio because we do want to have time to talk about um, fire suppression systems. And as I said, you have some personal experience with those. So why don't you go ahead and fill us in on um, the system you had installed on your boat and how it came to be useful for you. So the fire suppression system was on the boat when I bought it. It was a, I believe, a Halon system designed to automatically discharge upon reaching a certain temperature. Um, This particular boat was built in 71, so 44 Sport Fisher and has been very good to me for the last 15 years. So I decided it was time to give it a repower. So July 7th, 2015, my good fishing and boating buddy George and I pulled out of the San Diego Yacht Club about 5.30 in the morning. When we turned the corner at Point Loma to go north, um, we made an interim check, and we kind of take turns doing that, so I don't really know who did the first or the last, but... And everything was gorgeous, beautiful, flat water. Boat was running perfect. was wondering why I was going to put new engines. And so open it up, and we're cruising along 17 knots, looking for fish, having a great day. We've only got a 70-mile run to do, so we should be having lunch in Newport Beach at the uh, Balboa Boat Yard. And a few more engine room checks, and about 8.15 
an alarm went off. And normally it means I've got water coming in somewhere, and so it was more of an annoyance. Uh, jump down off the flybridge to find smoke coming up from the floorboards in the engine room, in the salon. So we popped the hatch, realized how much trouble we had, gathered all the fire extinguishers, and George went to work on the fire and I went to work with the radio notifying the Coast Guard and anyone that would listen. Um, and the reason I'm telling this story is I'm a very happy survivor, but there's an incredible list of things that I could have done better. So I could have pushed the DSC button on my radio. I could have said Mayday. Um, I didn't. And at that point, also my uh, dedicated six-person high-dollar life raft was conveniently stowed in the forward stateroom. Fortunately, the dinghy we carry on the boat is an aluminum bottom rib that doesn't weigh much. And so in the process of, of all the things we did, it went in the water uh, in case we needed to get off the boat. Um, this was about 8.15 in the morning. Took the Coast Guard's helicopter about half an hour to 40 minutes to get there, which is a long time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after realizing that we were not gaining much on the fire, my brain kicked in and said, well, you dumbass, where's that? <laughs> wonderful fire suppression system. Mm -hmm. And so George and I had a, a slight discussion. Um, he's a little younger and more agile than I am, and he wanted to argue about closing the hatchback. We had just opened it enough to fight the fire. But I got him to put the hatchback down, and I walked forward to the panel, and I pulled the Hail Mary lever on the fire suppression system. Big whoosh, different color smoke. Um, mine was not designed to shut the engines off, which we now know. Um, that's part of the system that needs to be there. And it did put the fire out as far as we could tell. We were not going to open the engine room to find out. I wonder what started the fire. It was a combination of the boat had been repowered once, the turbo on this these engines probably was a little closer to a timber than it should be, but mind you, it had almost 6,000 hours on them. So uh, what happened was a cast iron clamp between the turbo and the exhaust gave way, and hot exhaust caught this uh, support timber for the floor on fire. Um, so, Kurt, we appreciate you sharing that story because I think it is important for people to hear that. And we always try um, not to scare anyone into thinking that the loop isn't a safe trip because it is a safe trip. But anytime you're boating, there are certain things that can go wrong regardless of you know, one day on the loop is the same as a boating day anywhere. Um, so things can happen, and we just want to make sure that people are aware of that and that they know about some options that are there to help should you know the unthinkable happen. Um, so in this case, thankfully, you did have the fire suppression system. Um, just kind of run us through. You said there were a few things that you could have done um, that you didn't, and you've named a few. Are there any others that, any other things you've learned from that experience that you would want to share with others that you would do differently? Yeah. Um, you know, my uh, long-term boating experience was probably halfway not my friend because there are things that we didn't check. Uh, my uh, hose that I regularly have that draws 
water out of whatever body of water I'm in as a wash down. Um, I was unaware it was not going to work that day because of a stuck anti-siphon valve. And so to me what it means is every day you must be vigilant and check all the stuff that you think should be working. Um, you know, when you're on a boat successively for a month or two, most all of the stuff you know it's not going to work before it doesn't work. Most of the stuff works. But when you're on a boat that you may not have been on for a little while, um, you need to be more vigilant and check stuff. And so on the Great Loop, you should not be afraid. Um, I can tell you that when we had the fire on the boat, um, being in fear of anything was probably, believe it or not, the last thing on our minds. It was a matter of we have a job to do and we got to take care of it. And um, my wife and I have enough time on the Great Loop that she'll tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. So um, being that you um, have actually have had a fire suppression system that you actually used. Um, tell us if there are any specific features that loopers should be looking for if they're either looking for a boat that already has one or if they're looking to retrofit with one. Okay. So my my um, experience tells me, number one, the system, if you're having it put in, have it put in by a professional. I'm not familiar with how many different brands there are. But I can tell you that it needs to be the correct size. It needs to be installed properly. It needs to be set up to be automatic and a manual feature. It needs to shut down the engines. It needs to possibly have flaps that will shut the airflow to the engine room so that you uh, are taking away all possibility of the fire reigniting. Your, and this is not part of the system, but I consider it part of your boat and the system. Your uh, switches to turn on and off batteries need to be in a space other than the engine room. Your fuel shutoff valves need to be either in a space you can get to them or have remote um, control cables that you can shut the fuel off. And it's, it's, it's worth it. Um, save my boat. Um, not that everyone can't buy another boat, but I would have been looking for the same boat and spent the same money repowering it and painting it and everything else, and I'm just tickled to death that I was able to save what I have. Right. So a happy ending to what was probably a very stressful day on the water. Um, anything else you want to add before we close? Um, well, the typical uh, great looper, if you uh, think you want to do it, uh, today's the best day to start. That's great advice. Kurt, thank you very much for sharing your story. I think it really kind of brings that personal um, information to those who may have been considering this and, and aren't sure whether they really need such a system. So thank you for sharing that, and best of luck as you complete the great loop probably in the next few months. Thank you very, very much. And Kim? Um, it's been a pleasure having you uh, keeping the AGLCA going in the right direction. You're doing a great job.
Oh, thank you. It's it's absolutely my pleasure. Loopers are so much fun, so I, I have a great job to do. <laughs> um, so thank you very much, and thank you to our listeners. We will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Mm-hmm.